Thank you all for checking out this week's episode. Once again, I'm John. If you like what you heard and saw today, subscribe to our YouTube channel, find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and check out our brand new merch store with hats, coffee mugs, t-shirts, other cool stuff coming down the pipeline. Again, thank you all for support. Be safe and see you next week. How's it going, everyone? John here, the host of Spear Talk. And today, uh, we're bringing on a guest that I've been trying to reach out and get on here. Eventually, our schedule is lined up. Uh, Mr. Rodney Stotts. Rodney is a licensed raptor specialist, master falconer, uh, and he's the author of Bird Brother, A Falconer's Journey and the Healing Power of Wildlife. Uh, there's a bunch of documentaries coming out about you. You've been on a bunch of television shows about this. Uh, Rodney, it's awesome to have you on here. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I truly appreciate it. One of the the reasons why I reached out to you and why I love this podcast is because it covers the whole gamut of everything from leadership to mental health to helping the community to wildlife conservation. And at the start of the pandemic, I was someone that loved going outside all the time. Uh, but it wasn't until I had to, with the eerie silence of the first couple of months of this pandemic, where you'd be in the yard, you'd hear the birds, you'd see all the animals and all the stuff you kind of forget about in your busy nuances of life. And it went from me planting blackberries to now to the point where to bring in special birds for pollination, I'm bringing these purple finches based on food, all stuff. And it wasn't until like a month into it where I felt like something was watching me. And it was actually this owl perched up, just literally watching me. And for like literally the next three weeks, I'd go out there and take pictures of him. He wouldn't be bothering me when I'd be bringing out old bushes or dead plants and story about there. And it got me wondering and just, I was just in awe of the beauty not just of birds, but birds of prey like that. And for you to actually be in this world t- talking and trading with these birds, it's just, it's got to be fascinating. Oh, yeah, it definitely is. It's, I explain to people, it's like a, you're that junkie, that very first hit of whatever it was you took. You chase that high for the rest of your life, knowing you'll never get it again. However, you're going to chase it. And this is a good thing to be addicted to, though. So that's, one of the best parts about it. But it definitely, it, it molds you, shapes you, forms you, gets you thinking. I mean, you, you're really looking at this predator, basically. And you're saying to yourself at any moment, especially from back in old movies and stuff, how, what the bird can do to you. And it's not that they attack you. However, the damage they can do to you. And you're looking at it and you're saying, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. And it's supposed to be a killer, but it's just sitting there, just as nice and calm and observing everything, not bothering us. And then you look at your next door neighbor and you say, why can't you be more like the birds in the tree? Right. But it's, it is funny too. You bring it up. The idea of birds, especially birds of prey in pop culture, whether it's Beastmaster, Ladyhawk, even stuff like Harry Potter and stuff. And the times, the movies that I gravitate towards, especially birds of prey, even Lord of the Rings, when they're portrayed in a way of being these majestic animals that yes, they mind their own business, but they're, they're, they're ferocious in the sense that they're protecting what they deem essential to protect. And they're not there. They're not maliciously going out there like the birds of Alfred Hitchcock and just killing people. And right. there's some, that connection you have with these birds. That's what I love most, especially in pop culture where that human is they're They're, they're, they're one of the same. And I just love that connection. Yeah. See, with one of the things I explain to people, once you get your raptor, you and that bird works together. That bird does not work for you. The moment you make that bird feel like it works for you 
and you release that bird, your bird's gonna fly away. So for that bird to come back to you, hunt with you, basically red tail hawks, if they become imprinted, will protect you. These are some birds that will actually see someone close to you, start screaming at this person, telling them to move. If they don't, that bird sometime will come down, not so much chase them all in a way to let them know that they're protected. And so you're sitting there looking at it and you're saying to yourself, when I let this bird go, we have to have this love, this connection, this oneness, otherwise it's never gonna come back. And when it comes back to you, I mean, it, it's like watching your child take his first steps. It's, it's those things that, those first, like I said, even though that bird come back to you a thousand times, every time you see that bird flying back to you, your heart starts racing, everything about that excitement comes back. If there's some sad memory that you're thinking about, like with my mom, one of my birds are named after her. So if I'm thinking about her at that moment and that bird's flying back to me, come on here, Dippy, bring your bay and she land on my, it's just no feeling like it. I, I can't even explain it. And I could only imagine how the difficulty of the trade it took for you to get the that kind of relationship with one bird. If you to have that with numerous birds, and like for you, like how difficult is it to? Because I assume if you if you're trading Dippy, you can't do the same thing for the other bird. Like there's got to be different nuances with each bird with you, correct? Well, technically, you, you'll find what works for each individual bird. However, the relationship that you have with that bird is going to be the same. I love all of my animals. I can kiss every last bird on his beak. I can, my horses, everything, all of my animals, I can do the exact same things to them because of the love and the bond that we have. Getting to that training point may take in different steps. However, the relationship itself is an entirely different thing because that animal knows I'm never going to harm it. I'm never going to allow anything to harm it or anyone to harm it. So it has nothing to worry about. It has a great life. It eats every day, gets spoiled. You know, all of those same things like we would do with a, your, your dog inside or whatever, all those same things. So the relation, like I tell people, I have a sanctuary. I can take my phone and show you right now. I have three dogs outside, three horses outside. The dogs don't even go in where the horses are. If they go in there with them, they'll sit there, eat together, drink out the same bowls. They don't attack. I don't believe in all of that. It's a, a harmony, a love. So every animal here, I can sit here with my dogs on the floor and my bird on my leg. Dogs won't bother the bird. Bird doesn't bother the dogs. They all just sit here and watch TV together. How are the, say you bring in a new raptor that needs to be rescued or whatever it is, or whatever your process is, how are the other birds that have this established relationship with you when you bring in a new animal? Is there like a, almost like a trial and error where they're trying to see like, Man, maybe Rodney's gonna love him more or her more. Or like, how do they deal with that? See, if it's the same species of raptor, then you can introduce them together. Okay. Take it. To you. What you would do is you would set them separately where they can see each other. However, they can't get to each other. So they're eating beside each other. They're talking to each other. When we hear the birds eh, eh, blah, 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 making all these noise, we just assume they're making noises. They're talking to one another the same way we talk to. They hear us and they hear. The same way we do with them. So they're communicating that I'm first, you're second. Hi, how are you? I'm having a bad day. Whatever the same things that we talk about, the animals do. So once you know that that animal spends just as much time, you take them out together, you get to fly them together, you get to do things with them together, then they all get that same understanding. Oh, this is all one big family. Once that animal understands that you love it unconditionally, 
and everything around it, there's nothing around it that's causing it harm, trying to hurt it or anything else. That's it. Growing up, obviously you have a love for wildlife and conservation, that combination where I think it's so sorely, uh, more people need to be the way you think about animals and the environment. Growing up, did you ever, what experiences did you have where you got close to animals, specifically birds themselves? I mean, I've had pretty much every animal that you could have except for snakes. My mom really oh, wasn't yeah. too keen on snakes. However, I've had them. She just didn't know where they were. But I've had almost every animal you can think about. When I got with the birds of prey is when I was working with a nonprofit called the Earth Conservation Corps. That's how I actually was introduced to raptors to begin with. However, just knowing uh, certain things about them, about the animals, about certain birds. I always loved animals. I never really liked people. We're the only species that'll lie and pretend. And I'm, I say I'm your friend. And as soon as you turn around, I'm talking about you. Well, the animals don't do that. They make you earn their trust before you ever become friends or anything else. Just like that bird. When you trap a wild bird, that bird has to trust you to bend its head down to eat because it's vulnerable. Now that bird has to trust you enough to hop to you and fly to you and follow. So you build a relationship that you know was built on truth and trust. With people, you 50-50 chance. So I've always loved animals. I could, I don't care if it was a skunk, it would never spray me. I've had lizards, I would catch the wildest things. And my mother would be like, boy, take that stuff back out of here. Then she, two days later, go ahead, bring it, because she knows it was in my room somewhere, hidden. You know, so. I just always loved animals. I don't know the people that have that connection. They they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Where you can walk outside and a wild deer may just walk up to you and eat out your hand, and everyone's looking at you like, "What in the world?" It's just that animal knows your soul, knows your spirit. That you're not gonna harm it, and you're not gonna allow anyone or anything to harm it in your presence. I've often said this, where I feel. And I am very empathetic towards humans and animals, but if I saw an animal being abused, my anger level goes to a whole other level where if I saw two people fighting in a bar, I don't care. You know what? Maybe as long as I would hurt, if I saw someone kick a dog or uh, whip a cat or just throw stuff at a parakeet, whatever it is, there's a, help me explain that because I don't know. Is it because I, like you said, animals, if more humans were like animals, like you could, animals don't, they love you. They, they don't show, they don't show uh, selfishness. They don't, all these other things that make humans do what they do. I just don't know why I get so angry. Well, I know I do because the animal usually is the helpless one. Right. I hate bullies. And that's what you're being a bully. And so I think that's what, when you look at two people and you size them up and you say, well, that person can defend themselves or they look like they can defend. Well, when you're looking at a six foot, seven foot, six foot five, whatever, two, three, 400 pound person. And there's this little 30 pound animal, 10 pound animal. Tell me where the fairness is in that. Right. So if you want to make it fair, put one hand in your pocket, get down on your knees and now fight with your bare hand. Cause that animal doesn't have a weapon. doesn't have a gun. Doesn't think make it fair. So, I think with me, that's one of the main, because I'm looking at it and you're being a bully. And what you're bullying is something that you know could not defend itself regardless. So that to me, you deserve what you get. The history 
of falconry. I mean, it goes back to the times of King Arthur and all these people that were hunting back in Ireland and the Europe during all these hunts and stuff. And for that sport or what you do now to still be prevalent today, and more so the change, how it's helped you kind of open work with the community and help kids and people understand that there's more to life than drugs and stuff. But the transition in the history of this, the sport of falconry, again, for you to be at the forefront of it right now through all those years and what it was used for, how do you have to step back sometimes and kind of be like, man, this is, this is really cool. Um, every so often someone says something to me that reminds me of what it is that I'm actually doing. Cause to me, I'm just doing what I do every day. This isn't anything special to me. It wasn't something set out to, to prove to anyone anything. I was working, I had um, injured raptors and we were only working with adjudicated youth. So when I asked them, why can't we have flighted raptors and work with young people before they become adjudicated youth and stop this recidivism rate? They said, well, you have to become a falconer. I said, okay, well, I'll become a falconer. And then people laughed and all of, I didn't know that black falconers were so rare or anything like that. <laughs> I had never seen one before. However, I didn't know that there was a law saying that I couldn't be a falconer. So when I wanted to get into, when I started getting into it, I started finding out how not everyone, but a lot of people, racist and you know things of that nature. And it was because I guess black people weren't associated with nature. And I never understood that because I grew up in the parks and creeks and Anacostia Park and Rock Creek Park. And so I never was shielded from nature in that sense. Now, when we went, we would cookouts and you'd see the birds, you may not knew what they were, but you would see them and every bird was an eagle, basically. Every time someone, even now, someone to see my hawk, that's an eagle. That, you'll see a kestrel, that's an eagle. So, you know, that part of it, that to educate and let them know, no, this is what this is. This is what they do. So when you see these and now you turn around and somebody say, that's an eagle. And you say, no, 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 that's a red-tailed hawk. You can tell that about it. So now that knowledge of spreading it on is super important. So that part of it, yeah. But to me, it's what I do every day. I don't look at it in. Yeah, I'm a black falconer. I did this. I did. No, I just love animals. And this was another way for me to connect with another animal, bring my family into it, bring others into it. It's a healing thing. You know, all of my animals basically named after loved ones that passed away. We tell people you die twice. Once when you physically die and the last time someone mentions your name. Well, my animals named after my loved ones, so they ain't gone nowhere. Physically, sure, okay. All the love and everything else, I talk to them. They talk back to me. And I don't hear what I want to hear. I hear what they would have told me, the advice they would have given me if they were sitting right there. Whether I'm good, bad, or indifferent, I'm going to hear the truth. That's why I love my animals the way I do. It's interesting you bring up the idea that people were bringing in the birds for these organizations, for people that already been in trouble. And the idea that you bring up of them why not do it before these kids even see drugs on the streets or get involved in gangs and stuff like that for you it with the moment you realized hey i could end up dead or these drugs are gonna kill me i'm gonna be in prison i'm gonna be i'm not gonna amount to anything what moment for you was that and what was the timeline between that moment and you getting into birds um 
I, I well, technically, I was already into the birds because I had the, like I said, the raptors that were non-releasable. I had rap. I was doing raptor education for about 13, gotcha. 14 years, things of that nature. So it wasn't necessarily the birds that did it. I ended up going to 33 funerals in one year. And then sometimes you have to sit back and really realize that that could have been you, any one of those. Some of those people you had just left and well, y'all were hanging out the night before and things of that nature. So I tell people hustling is an addiction, just like heroin. And when you get used to being able to eat and buy good clothes and not have a windbreaker on in 20 degree weather, you got a coat on your back. And now someone tells you, you know, you're going to go to jail. Well, I'm going to take that chance because I'm warm right now. So it's a whole mindset that has to change and everything else. You have to now go back to what do I really need? Not so much of what do I want? My mother used to say want and need. Two four-letter words mean two totally different things. You need a car. You want a $100,000 Mercedes Benz. You can't afford that, though. So why are you get what you can afford? If you needed a car and you can get a car for $200, $1,000, why didn't you get the car that you needed? Your wants, she'll tell you, never let your wants hurt you. And so that's what I try to do now. So the whole transition, it took time and it, it will take time. I just tell people, give them time. What changes the essence of a man? Time. That's the only thing that can change the essence of any man is time. So give them time to change and recognize the change that they make. It's fascinating that you, the life you lived before with the addiction and everything, you found the the birds were part of your life. And as you transition and get older and start working with them, you, not only are they, are they almost acting as saving your life or helping you change your addiction to them, but you, an injured bird that pro, comes to you or you get brought a, a bird that needs to be uh, re, uh, rehabilitated you're saving that bird's life. It's like this really unique way of like circle of life where it's like you're always helping each other and you're always kind of looking after each other's back. Is There's something really powerful to that. Well, I mean, you think about it. You always were told we're all made in God's creation. We're all God's creatures. We're all this. Why don't we act that way then? If you were told, if you truly yep. believe that, why not do it? Because somebody else is going to laugh or someone's going to say you're odd or you're and you're so worried about what someone else is going to say, I'll tell that person, well, listen, my mortgage is due on the first. Now, if you're paying that, then I, I'll, I'll listen to what you're talking about. My electricity bill is due on the fourth. If you're paying that, then your, your opinion means something. Other than that, dare to be different. I love being different. Who wants to be ordinary like everybody else? That's the most boring thing in the world. Be you. Be the best you, because there's no matter how many people come after you, There'll never be another you. So be who you are. Have you ever, I'm trying to, I find, I find it funny. If you've ever been pulled over by someone, because I don't know how you transport your birds, but I assume because you don't look like a traditional falconer, which the media or pop culture tells you that there's had to be instances where like, who the hell is this guy driving yes. DC with birds of prey in the back? Like, we got to check this out. Yes. My son and I, who was a falconer, uh, when I first got my license, we were on a road called Owens Road in, um, in, on the Maryland side. We pulled over at a school. There was a hawk sitting up in the tree. So we set the trap down. PG County police pulled up. They saw us. They busted U-turn. They came back. My son said, Dad, they can already come over here. I said, I know. So one car pulled in and blocked us in. 
The next thing you know, there's seven, eight, nine police cars come flying, lights on, everything. The officer walked up. He said, uh, excuse me, what are you doing here? I said, I'm a falconer. He said, you're a what? I said, I'm a falconer. I said, you see that hawk right there in the tree? Pointed at the hawk, showed him my bow satchel trap, showed him my falconry license. He said, oh, okay. He walked back to the car. His partner walked up. His partner said, listen, man, everything's okay. Y'all aren't in any trouble or anything. But he said, you do what now? I said, I'm a falconer. He said, where are you from? I said, Southeast DC. He said, man, you lying. I said, no. He said, no, nah, I don't mean you lying like that. He said, man, Southeast DC and you a falconer? You do what? You trap birds and you teach inner city, you rap the education and environmental science. Man, I ain't never, you black, man. And I'm just sitting there looking at him like, okay, what? what I don't understand what's so surprising. Then, more times it happened, we're standing by a bank. We were being accused of casing a bank. And then the next thing you know, they see the trap, see the, it got to the point, PG County police would ride past me, hit the horn, bum, bum, bird man, bird man, wait on. They already knew when they got a call that there was a black guy sitting there, oh, that's the bird man, man, he got a trap out. They stopped coming. So, I mean, believe me, it, it was a lot of things that went on that when you seeing it happen and you, realizing that you're making that change even in those people when you come up on something you don't know what it is so don't always come up with the intent that someone's doing something wrong or someone's illegal or something like that and i really think that when they approached other cars since then maybe just maybe they gave a little courtesy now and not just one look hold on this is going to be something and it's not right it, it is interesting too I wonder if for you, like the dynamic with the community policing, you work in the community, and ultimately the goal should always be helping the youth and these kids are in distress situations and helping them where it's almost like they, they know someone out there like you is actually helping the community and giving back and trying to help these kids. Because at the end of the day, you have to, the youth is so important, right? Well, not just the youth. My thing is, like what we were, you were discussing earlier, mental health, all of that. Every one of us suffers from PTSD. Everyone, you don't have to go to war. Look at what it is, it's post-traumatic stress. So you're telling me that this mother that lost her son to gun violence, walked you. out there and said, that she's not stressed every day, that father's not stressed every day, that man that can't find a job who feels that he's less than a man because he can't provide for his family the way that he's trying to. You're telling me that's not stressful to them people every day? So it's not just about the young people, it's about everybody, all of us need to heal. All of us lost someone, think about, if we took what goes on in our day-to-day -day and really let it consume us, we would all look like monsters. Yeah. So it's for everybody to have an outlet. So like down here where I am, I'm starting Dippy's Dream. It's named after my mother. It's a sanctuary. It's a human sanctuary that has animals. So you can come ride horses, fly the birds, milk goats, plant vegetables, you know, everything, sleep out, camp out under the stars, and it's all donation-based. If you got 50 cents, donate 50 cents. You got $50, donate $50. You're still going to get all the same experiences that you would have gotten if you had to pay somebody thousands of dollars. Because you can't afford it don't mean you don't deserve it. Right. So you, you want to learn how to ride a horse or fly birds, and they're telling you $1,500 for falconry lessons. Well, you don't have $1,500. Does that mean you don't deserve to take falconry lessons? No, it just means you couldn't afford it. Well, guess what? You had $15, and you came down here. Guess what you learned how to do? fly my bird with me. 
same thing. So that's it's more about healing for everyone, not just so much of young people. It's everyone. I've had 90 plus year old people. This wow. one lady at the national stadium. I had my owl on my hand and she asked me, cause she see it. I brought it over to her and she grabbed me and hugged me and started crying. Said she was 96. And she said she had never been that close to a raptor before. And she was so happy. And I'm sitting there and tears are running down my face. And I'm like, ma'am, please stop crying because you're making me cry. You know, so to see that, to give that to her, that's a blessing to me. The if for someone like me that wants to get like maybe help out with conservation or birds of prey, or if I'm not near you, and I guess so I guess for a first part question. If I'm out in my yard and I know there's red-tailed hawks, I know there's birds of prey, just birds and animals in general, how could I be better at conservation, specifically wildlife conservation, if I just want to start doing my part to make a change there? Well, one, don't put out any pesticides, any poisons in your yard, anything like that, because if there's a mouse in your yard, let the bird do what they naturally do. Once you poison their food, you're poisoning them. You're going to kill them. I tell people, if you put a bird feeder out, you're inviting raptors. So you're going to have feathers all in your yard from the birds that they're catching. So limit, you know, you might put it out one day, bring it back, put it out another day, bring it back. Don't just leave it out because you're going to attract raptors because you have the little hummingbirds and stuff that come in to eat things of that nature. Um, Sometime, if you can, if you have a fish tank pump, take a, if you have a tub, put a tub of water outside and put the hose in there so that the water's constantly bubbling and it's not still so you won't get mosquitoes and stuff. So you have a bird bath for them. So things, just little things that we would do for ourselves, you know, or your, or your dog, you make sure your dog has water outside, right? So you'd be surprised how often the birds would just land in there and just soak and swim in your little tub and then get out, dry themselves off, and fly away. You know, so just little things that don't have barbed wire fencing out or, or chicken wire fencing covering things up because that bird is going to get injured. If it sees a mouse running through your garden and you have chicken wire over it, it tries to get to the mouse, you're going to damage that bird. So just things right. like that, that you would childproof your bird proofing, basically. That's all. It, I, obviously, I know that the bald eagle, what it represents and how it's protected and the crimes against it, but other animals or other birds of prey, like the red-tailed hawk or owls or these, these vultures, wherever they are, these other birds of prey, have you found that over the years they've become more protected or less protected? Like, What, what are some of the issues you deal with uh, when it comes to an injured, is it natural injuries, injuries or are they shot at or are they hit by cars? Like, What's stuff like that? More hit by cars, poisons. Um, you have a lot of things that people do that injure birds. You do have those incidents. However, the majority of them are juvenile birds that got hit by a car flying down to get an easy meal because it's winter time. Yeah, and they haven't found anything to eat. Um, they uh, crash into trees, windows because they don't see glass, things of oh, that wow. nature. Stuff like yeah. So what they'll do, just like at Union Station in D.C., a few years back, uh, there was a program to cut all of the lights off because birds that were migrating, there was a tree like inside the building, and they don't see the glass, and they're thinking they can fly to the tree, and they would hit that glass, and you would come out, and there would be dead birds all around because they don't see glass, they see through it, and they thinking they can land in the tree. So wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, as far as the the protection wise though. 
they are all federally protected under the Migratory Bird Act. You do find species like kestrels and stuff declining. And I don't think it's so much of people, I think it's more of their diet. Uh, we were talking about this before. If you think about 30, 40 years ago when you were driving, everywhere you would get, you had bugs all on your window. You used to have the yeah. bug shields on your cars and everything. You look at it now, you can drive 300 miles and not have a bug on your window. So those are some of the things that kestrels and stuff eat, those little crickets and bugs. And when those food sources disappear, the numbers will start to decline. So things like that is what I see uh, more of the decline that's not caused by any person per se. What has been the worst injury you've received while trading and operating with your birds? Um, I had a bird's talent, a red-tailed hawk, her name is Sky. Her talent went in my finger on this side, oh. came out on this side, went into this finger and came out in the middle in the middle of me doing a presentation with people in front of me. Um, it was my fault because the bird, knowing the bird was hungry and that you feed the bird, you learn to throw food from one hand to the glove. Well, as you're talking and you're moving your hand, the bird assumed food was in my hand. And as my hand came up, I didn't have her just down tight. And she reached out and grabbed and the talent went through, through, through. And so I'm sitting there and a lady said, doesn't that hurt? I said, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am, it does. She said, well, why aren't you kirking off? I said, ma'am, if I move, this bird is going to squeeze harder and harder and I'm eventually going to pass out. So let me just give them something that she wants more than me. And I tipped the little bag over that I had her feed in. And so she let me go and went down to the food. Like I said, it was my fault. I knew what I should have done. When you get comfortable sometime and you're sitting there and yeah. So that was the worst injury that I sustained from a, a raptor during training and everything else. Yeah. If I, for people that want to get involved in this, uh, and specifically your cause and the groups you work with and everything you're doing with the sanctuary, what's the best means they could do that? Say maybe they can't visit you, but they want to donate money or something like that. Like how do they get involved with you? You can go to Rodney's Raptors webpage, just type in Rodney's Raptors. There's a donate button. I also have a wish list page of things that um that's needed so I can be able to bring people down. I got in touch with a guy who owns a school bus service up in DC. So uh, he'll transport young people, school kids, elderly neighborhoods, whatever, down on certain weekends and pick them back up on Sundays for people to actually get out and camp out. I'm telling people, bring your sleeping bag. You're actually camping outside. So bring your tent. Bring your sleeping bag, bring your little kerosene stove. We got fireplaces. We're going to actually sleep under the stars and get back to nature. Like you say, when you when it was so quiet because of the pandemic and you came outside and when you breathe, you can smell a difference in the air. Yep. You can actually hear the crickets in the morning and hear the birds singing. When they say stop and smell the roses, that to me was our time to stop and smell those roses and understand regardless to this rat race, you still have to live. You have to enjoy this because we only get one shot at it. Yeah. It, to your point again, it, it felt like the perfect wake up call for mother earth being like, Hey, stop. Appreciate what you have here. We can work together. I know that people have to do the hustle bustle of cities and all that stuff. But when you have the time to appreciate mother nature and the wildlife and stuff, do it. And for me, 
again, I've always loved my grandparents have a dairy farm up in New York, and I've always loved going to the hay bow and playing with the cows and the heifers, all that stuff. But as you get older, I think people lose sight of what being grounded in earth is and being with the animals and nature and making the mud pies when you're a kid. And I think that for me, that the pandemic was the perfect reason to learn, to relearn and appreciate everything I did when I was a kid. And moving forward, like I, I love being out in the yard and I love cutting the grass or just walking and doing hikes or taking pictures outside of nature and just raking leaves, all that stuff. That's just so, it's so necessary. It's just, it's just awesome. Yeah. yeah. It reminds me like when they used to say, when I was a kid, I played with toys. When I became a man, I put those toys and childish things away. What people fail to realize is those childish toys or whatever you wanted to call them is what made you who you are. So don't forget about those things. Those things brought you joy. Why put away things that bring you joy? I mean, there's a time and a place for them, sure. But <laughs> right. don't put them away. You know, don't put away, like you said, that going back and when you go out into a barn and all these bales of hay are sitting here and you pick up the hay and you're smelling the hay and people looking at you like, what are you doing? And you'll say, man, I remember playing in my grandparents' farm and, and all those memories flood back to you. And then you're sitting there saying, 30 seconds later, well, gotta go do this, gotta go. No, take 30 more seconds, man, and then go do it. Cause trust right. me, that extra 30 seconds can be a lifesaver. There's a lot of times too, where the, the digital age of here we are in technology and stuff and phones, I get that it's necessary obviously, but there's been a ton of times lately where I'm out hiking or walking around, taking pictures of a bird or an animal, whatever it is, or a path or a nature. And Sometimes I look at it and go, yeah, I'm not going to take the picture because it's in my head, right? It's, I don't need to take document everything for my selfish reasons and post a picture, which is kind of cool. But there are times where you can just look up into a tree and see, I have these blue jays and cardinals that are always mingling out here. And I'm just, I just watch them in my office drinking coffee going, man, I could take pictures, awesome videos of this, but you know what? I'm not gonna because I'm, it's helping me right now. They have no idea who I am. They have no idea what my why or how they're affecting my day, but I, I feel much more positive watching these birds inter interact with each other. And the same thing, like I tell people, um, I run a program called Healing with Hawks and Horses with a guy named Ray Lockamy. He's oh, one wow. of the best yeah. horsemen I've ever met in my life. He's, a, he's one that can basically look at you, look at a horse and tell you everything that that horse is going to do long before. And he's never seen this horse before, he just sat there and 10 minutes later, he telling you everything that's wrong, this, that. I give him that. So we go around and we teach equestrianship. Uh, he's a licensed furrier. So we teach young people how to do the horse's feet, how to uh, walk, walk trot and canter on them, how to tackle a horse, how to load them. And we explain to people, do you know those are careers? In order for me to get shoes on my horse's feet right now, and I got to pay like 75 to $100 per horse. And that's three horses that you just did. You put shoes on their feet from nine to 10 o'clock. You just made you $300. And guess what? From 10 o'clock to 10, 10, you drove to the next people's yard to go do their horse. So you just, there's your career. That's something you can actually pay. Everybody's not going to be in the NBA, the NFL. Everybody's not going to be a rap star. Everybody's not going to be an Instagram model and all this other stuff. Every single job is important. Don't belittle what you do. My mother used to tell me, if you have to clean toilets with a toothbrush, you clean the best toilets with that too. You make, you show pride in everything. You, every single job is important. 
the guy that walks behind the horses at the circus and shovels the manure up. Had he not been there, manure be everywhere. So every single job is important. Don't let anybody belittle who you are and what you do. No. So taking that, it's the way I go with it, bro. No, it's awesome. And so before I let you go, Rodney, tell us about your book uh, and stuff like that. Other projects you got coming on here. I know there's a bunch of documentaries. <laughs> It's awesome. So where can people get the book? How can people, uh, stuff like that? Tell us about it. Uh, it's on Amazon. It's on uh, Kindle. It's on uh, in Barnes and Nobles. It's in the bookstores and stuff. Um, easiest way is Amazon. Um, I'm actually doing book signings coming up in the next couple of weeks. So if people want to come out and get a book and have it signed right then and there, we'll be at the uh, Monique Johnson Welcome Center, which is at, um, I think it's 101st. 101st Street Southeast. It's right across from the National Stadium. And um, so we'll be doing book signings and stuff down there. I just tell people, come on out, get the book, read it. Hopefully it does something for you and let me know what you think of it. So it's awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Rodney, for this. I uh, appreciate your time. I know you're a very busy man. And uh, thank you for your what you do for the communities. And thank you for what you do for our Raptors. And uh, again, this has been awesome. So thank you very much. No, thank you, and thank you for what you do, for getting the word out. Believe me, it really, really matters. Awesome. Thank you, Rodney. How's it going, everyone? John here, the host of Spear Talk. You might not know this, but before I record an episode, I like to break a sweat. And I do that using the ChopFit. Over the course of the past year, the ChopFit has allowed me to lose weight, tone up my body, and feel even more amazing about myself. A feeling that you should all feel about yourself as well. If you use this code, SpearChop10, you get $10 off your order. Once again, use code SpearChop10 for $10 off your chocolate order. It'll change your life. Thank you. Hi, I'm Emily Roger. And I host a leadership show called The Boiling Point with my co-host, Dave Vale. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.